Please, she said just loudly enough that Niccolo could hear. Just don't hurt anybody. Give me the keys. The driver stubbornly folded her arms over her chest to protect the keyring. Not until Peggy's out. The blonde gunman leaped forward and pinned her against the side of the car, the gun nestled against the hollow of her throat. The passenger door opened and the dark-haired woman, obviously Peggy, jumped to the ground. She was younger than Niccolo had guessed at first sight, slight, with dark chestnut hair and an oval, almost surreally beautiful face, which was understandably contorted with fear. Please, just let them come over here now, Niccolo beseeched the gunman. I'll be sure they don't do anything stupid. The dark-skinned carjacker, who seemed to be the more reasonable of the two, motioned the woman toward Niccolo. Get over there. Peggy stumbled to Niccolo's side, but he wasn't watching. His eyes were on the blonde carjacker, who still had his gun pressed against the driver's throat. As Niccolo watched, the driver unfolded her arms and held out a key ring. Let her go, please. She'll be out of your way over here, Niccolo said, as calmly as he could. Yeah, let her go, the other carjacker echoed. Let's get going. The blonde gunman hesitated. Then he grabbed the driver's arm and flung her roughly in the direction of the hood. Ah, uh, go on. Get over there. The Mazda's driver stumbled across the lot to join Niccolo and Peggy. For a moment, Niccolo thought the worst might be over, that this random act of violence would end with nothing more than a stolen car. But before the driver could take two steps away, the quiet of the street was split by the banshee wail of a siren and the night was tinged with swirling ruby light. Deliver us from evil, Niccolo whispered. Fuck it all! We gotta get out of here! Grab one of the women! The blonde shouted, waving his gun at his partner. Are you crazy? They won't let us out of here if you don't. Niccolo stepped sideways to shield Peggy and the blonde woman. No, just get going. I'll tell the police you didn't hurt anybody. I'll keep them here while you... For the second time that night, the black man whirled and pointed his gun at Niccolo's chest. Then he started toward him, covering the ground in long steps. Get out of my way! The blonde had already planted himself behind the Mazda's steering wheel. The black gunman stretched out one arm to grab Peggy. Niccolo waited for the second when the gunman would be off balance and his aim askew. Down! He shouted to the women. At the same moment, with all his considerable strength, Niccolo slammed his fist against the gunman's wrist. The gunman spun with the force, but didn't lose his balance. As the copper-haired driver threw herself against Peggy to knock her to the ground, the gunman swung his gun at Niccolo and fired. Niccolo didn't have time for a better plan. He lowered his head and charged, using his head like a battering ram. The gunman fell backward under the impact of Niccolo's blow just as the police cruiser pulled into the lot. Doors slammed. Someone grabbed Niccolo's elbow and he staggered upright. There's another one in the car. He was surprised to hear himself. His voice seemed to have lost power. Another carjacker. He's got a gun. He pointed at the Mazda, which surprisingly hadn't moved from its parking space. As he tried to focus on the car, he saw a shadowy figure disappear behind the dumpster, glimpsing only enough detail to see that the figure seemed to be wrapped in layers of clothing. The night's events had clouded his thinking. For a moment, he wondered where the blonde carjacker had found clothes to disguise himself and why he was escaping unnoticed. One cop handcuffed the man at Niccolo's feet. The second, gun drawn, started toward the Mazda. He already got away. Nicola's head was filling with gray fog. He ran away. You've been shot. Nicola recognized the driver's voice and felt her hand on his shoulder. 
he realized that his right arm burned and that this, like the buzzing in his head, wasn't normal. Everybody get out of my way! This time Niccolo heard a different female voice, not the pale-haired driver, not dark-haired Peggy, who was sobbing somewhere behind them. This voice was new and husky, a musical and temporarily booming alto. He lifted his head and was certain he glimpsed Joan of Arc thundering into battle, her fists clenched and the light of righteousness blazing in her eyes. St. Joan took charge. I'm going to take care of this man. The rest of you clean up the damn mess in my parking lot. The ground seemed to rise to meet Niccolo, and he felt arms attempting to break his fall. As his eyes closed, he wondered why the illustrated book of saints he'd received at his first communion had portrayed Joan of Arc as a blonde. St. Joan was a sturdy little woman with hair the color of the flames that had devoured her. This is not a way station for gawkers, Sam Trumbull. Either help these people get settled or move out of our way. Scooch! Scooch! Megan Donahue shooed Whiskey Island's steadiest customer to one side so that the cop who was assisting the bearded stranger would have a clear path to the saloon's corner table. Under no circumstances had it been a stellar Tuesday for Megan. The workday had been slow. A gray day, a dark night, no football game on television, no band on the schedule. Still, nothing had prepared her for the sound of a police siren in the saloon parking lot. And even that hadn't prepared her for all she had found. The tail end of a carjacking, a wounded stranger, and, almost more extraordinary, her sister's one of whom hadn't been home in more than a decade. Megan did what she always did when her world turned upside down. She took charge. She motioned her younger sister to a table beside the one the stranger would occupy. Casey, sit. Don't get up for at least ten minutes. I'm warning you. It hardly seemed to matter that Casey hadn't been in this room since she was seventeen. Once again, she needed looking after. Stop worrying about me, Megan. I'm fine. Casey dropped into the closest chair anyway, before the words were out of her mouth. She looked depleted and older than her twenty-eight years. Megan ached to gather her sister in her arms to comfort her. Casey and Peggy were the blood in her veins, the beating of her heart. The bonds that united them were sturdy, but over the years they had been sorely tested. She knew better than to test them again. She turned to her youngest sister, Peggy, who was supposed to be in Athens attending Ohio University. You, sit, too. No arguments. I don't know what in the heck you and Casey are doing here, but whatever it is, you're in no shape to do anything about it right now. Peggy Donahue dropped into the nearest chair. We wanted to surprise you. Casey drove down from Chicago and picked me up at the bus station. Well, it was certainly one of the night's surprises. Megan turned her attention away from her sisters to the stranger, who was now seated at the table. And the man was a stranger. Megan was a saloon keeper, the daughter of a saloon keeper, the granddaughter and great-granddaughter, too. She had a saloon keeper's memory for faces, and she was sure she had never served him. He was a big man with wide shoulders, but definitely not overweight. He had a long oval face with strong features, and his hair, eyes, and neatly trimmed beard were just a shade shy of black. Megan squatted beside him. How do you feel? You tend to take over, don't you? Megan liked his voice, 
It was pitched low but more soothing than thunderous. She allowed herself a smile. Somebody has to. You're a hero, isn't that enough to keep you busy? He grimaced. A fallen hero. So you fainted, or nearly did. Get over it, you got shot. We all faint when we're shot. Who are you, by the way? Niccolo Andreani. He lifted a brow, as if to ask the same of her. Megan Donahue, the car those creeps were after belongs to my sister Casey. She's the driver. My baby sister Peggy's the other one. Pleased to meet you falls flat somehow. Did you just walk into this? It must have been a nasty surprise. He didn't walk into it, Casey said from the other table. I saw him come into the lot with his hands raised. You saw we needed help, didn't you? Megan got to her feet. Well, we're lucky you were willing to take the risk. The young cop who had helped Niccolo inside spoke. I've got to get back outside. You'll call us or come down to the station later if you think of anything to add? His gaze included everyone but Megan in the question. I want to know what happened to the other gunman, Niccolo said before the cop could leave. I want to know exactly what happened. Well, it's something of a mystery. When I got to the car, he was slumped over the wheel and his gun was lying on the seat. He had a goose egg on his temple. That'll be one fierce headache, you can bet on it. I thought I saw someone. I don't know, I might have imagined it. I thought it was the carjacker trying to escape. Niccolo's words trailed off. Well, somebody hit him, we know that for sure, the cop said. Could you give us a description? There wasn't anybody there, Casey forced life into her voice. I would have seen somebody running away. Then how do you explain the fact that the carjacker was passed out at the wheel? Niccolo asked. Maybe he and his pal had a fight before they decided to steal my car. Maybe he'd been knocked on the head earlier and it just caught up with him. A delayed reaction. I don't know. Think about what you said.